What up, world? Surpass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about the Blazers' first game back against the Phoenix Suns, the good, the bad, and then we're going to look ahead to what's next. Blazers opened up the second half of the season with a 127-121 loss to Phoenix. They were outscored. Well, the final box score is going to show them that they were outscored by 10, but they scored five meaningless points in the final 30 seconds, a layup by Anthony Simons and a three-pointer from Gary Trent Jr. Otherwise, they would have lost that fourth quarter 37-22. The Phoenix Suns flexed their muscle and pulled away. This is why the Suns team entered the night's second place in the Western Conference. What I want to do in this show is talk about the good and the bad from this loss. Uh, if you're familiar with the podcast, if you're a regular listener, you know that I'm not into like the, the deep granular recap of any individual game. Uh, we don't have a lot of other games to pull from. This is kind of a weird schedule thing. So we're going to try to use this game to zoom out as much as possible. But uh, we're, we're dealing with the sample size we're dealing with here, y'all. The good from this game, we're going to start with the good in the first segment. We'll move to the bad in the second segment. I think let's let's lead with the positive, you know. Uh, I think the good in this game was that I don't think Damian Lillard played particularly well and that he still finished with 30 points. Like, this was it, just watching the game. It seemed like kind of an off night from Dame and he ended up with 37 and 8 dimes. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's good. Uh, it was a reminder of how good he is that it's sort of on a on a on a dud night that he that he looks like a basketball player uh the other like the other just obvious positive from this is that the blazers without cj mccollum without yusuf nurkic were right there and frankly in position to win this game through three quarters uh they you know they ended up with a they had a four-point lead hanging into the fourth before before they really really just got punked in crunch time by by Chris Paul and uh, Devin Booker kind of taking turns, tearing them apart, particularly Devin Booker. They had no, um, they, when they tried to double team him, they, he found open shooters and the, and the Suns made threes. When they didn't double team him, he got what he wanted. But I think the good thing here is that the shorthanded Blazers were right there with a team. Now, I don't want to, I don't really want to reward them for being kind of there for three quarters. It's the NBA. All of the teams are sort of about the same level of good. And then when it's time to win, the sort of cream rises to the top. Like that is the nature of the league. So I'm not pointing to saying, hey, three quarters, you're right there. They're pretty good. 36 minutes, good basketball. That's a thing to hang your hat on. It's not. But, but, but I don't think. They didn't look outmatched and then kind of hang around. Like they they got punked earlier this month by by the Suns, um, last month, but in in the last thirty days, uh, you know they they got crushed by this team. They didn't get crushed this time. They didn't get punked. They didn't get uh, you know DeAndre Ayton was uh, ineffective in this one. Um, they just don't have an answer for Devin Booker. The Blazers still don't. I mean they're a bad defensive team. I'm, I'm getting caught in the negative because they lost here. We'll get to that in a second. They don't really have a, a still don't have an elite wing stopper. That's not something they've got on the roster. But but in, but they were right there for three quarters. Uh, just just a really really brutal start to the fourth. Inc- the Dameless minutes to start the fourth were bad. But then when Dame got back on the court in the fourth quarter, they the offense just still couldn't get going. But again, this was for the for thirty even thirty eight minutes. The Blazers were right here with one of the. 
Uh, I don't know if this is like one of the elite teams in the West. They're certainly elite by record. I don't think they're going to, you know, if you're familiar with my Western Conference playoff team tiers, I think this is like a, a tier two type team. I don't, I don't think the Suns can win the championship, but I think they're one of the five best teams in the West. Maybe better than that. Like they're, they're really good. And they were whole tonight minus uh, former North Carolina Tar Heel Cameron Johnson. They, uh, this was a good team and they lost to a good team. I think they got out, out talented tonight. The other positives from tonight was that, uh, Nazir Little continued to show that he's an NBA player. Uh, he's, he just, he has, he has some juice. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see little, pl- I mean, he played the same number of minutes as hood. So it's hard to say. I want to see him play more than hood. They both, they both played about 21 minutes off the bench. Uh, I would just, um, hood, Hood is struggles. He has a different skill set, so it's not the same thing. Like Hood had five dimes. He runs the second unit as a ball handler. So sort of just like one for one right now, replacing Nas's minutes with Rodney's doesn't work. Like it, it that isn't that doesn't fit in the equation because someone has to handle the ball when Dame's out of the game. And Anthony Simons continues to show he is not capable of that. Nazir Little certainly isn't capable of that either. Like Hood Hood kind of has to have that role now. It's just moving forward when CJ gets back. I think Nas has a little more juice. Has he provides um, he provides an athleticism and uh, and and a better shooting, quite frankly, right now than Rodney Hood. Like Nazir Little deserves to play. He had a he had a breakout dunk in this game. He hit a three in this game. Like he his one miss was the most absurd alley oop attempt you'll ever see. It was uh, to steal a joke from Trailblazing on Twitter and the wonderful streetwear brand based here in Portland, Trailblazing. It was like a heat check alley oop. The dude was hot. He'd had a couple. He had a he had a uh, a driving runner and and one. He had a fast break dunk and he'd hit a three. And then he he tried the, uh, like sort of just like a spin off alley oop when the guy's overplaying him, like a, the guy's sort of top siding him and he he's he's got space behind him to the rim and he tried to spin off and hit like a spinning 360 layup heat check alley oop and he missed it. That was his only miss. But not you know Nas can play like he's. Um, he doesn't have a lot of off the dribble juice, even though if he scored off, off, he scored off the dribble here, that, that gives me some hope that he can, he's developing a downhill game. So he's not going to like, he's not this like crazy dynamic one-on-one score, but he's, he's a really good athlete that if you give him a little runway and let him get to a strong hand, he's good. He can get out and transition something that really helps the Blazers. They're not a great transition team, but just having a guy who can finish on the break is valuable. He's, he, he doesn't always know where to be on defense. Like there was a play in this game where he got lost, but his athleticism and his, his sort of want to is such that he recovered to Jay Crowder and made it a, a, a contested three pointer. He was like confused about the switch and where he was supposed to be. He realized he was supposed to be on Crowder, closed that space, made an easy shot into a hard shot. Like that is just, that is athleticism that isn't there for everyone. So if you're looking for silver linings, like I, Nazir Little continues to look like a basketball player. Small silver lining is that Gary Trent Jr. kind of got back on track from three. He started really slow in this one, one for eight. He finished four for 11, including hitting one as the as the buzzer sounded at the very end. So this wasn't like a great shooting night in the run of the run of play, but Trent had been in a little mini slump heading into the break. He had, he had really been struggling um, with his outside shot. So to see him get get going. I don't know if get going. I, I'm kind of stumbling over that. To see him just make some shots was good. He had heading into the break over his last four games. He was six for 27 from deep. Like he had really struggled. Um, the, you know, the Blazers won some of those games and, and I thought he was, he was totally fine in the games in the, uh, win over Charlotte. He was pretty good against golden state. He had a bad shooting night. Um, 
you know, bad field goal percentage in his final two games before the break. But just from three, like Gary Trent is going to do most of his damage from the outside. And he had really struggled heading into the break. He shouldn't have 22% over his last four games. Just have him see the ball go in has to be has to be a positive for him. Um, he's, you know, that that's where he's going to provide value. He's, uh, he's kind of proven that he doesn't, um, he doesn't do a ton of other stuff. But shooting is, scoring is the most important skill to be good at. Like, that's just how the league works. And if he makes threes, he's a he's just a really valuable contributor. When he was doing that early in the year, he looked like a, like a surefire NBA starter. And to see him hit, you know, to have him, even if one of them was a cheapie, to see him make some shots has to be valuable for his confidence. I'm not someone who is a believer in momentum, but I am a believer in confidence. And hopefully that will get his confidence going. Honestly, I think that's about it for the positives from this game. Um, they played pretty well against a good team for three quarters. Damian Lode remains awesome even on an off night. His stat line is incredible. Nazir Little looks like an NBA player, and Gary Trent Jr. saw the ball go in. Like those are my those are my positive takeaways. There are some real negatives, so I want to talk about those in the second segment. But uh, before we get there, we got to talk about BetOnline.ag. Y'all know BetOnline; it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It's NBA games every night college basketballs we're in the we're in the conference tournament championship weekend here selection sunday is this coming weekend followed by the ncaa tournament that's a good time to bet on college hoops y'all nhl season is in full swing as well so get on over to bet online where you can find real-time updated odds props on almost anything you can imagine they got news all the news and scores you could need it's just it's simply the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up what how you do that is you go to betonline.ag do that on your mobile device, do it on your computer, and you use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Shout out to Dre Slaps, who makes all the music for Locked On Blazers. You can find a link to all of Dre's work his merch and his music in the episode description for this episode support local music y'all appreciate you dre all right we talked about the good from the loss to the suns one game back i want to talk about the bad i think the bad is i mean maybe it's just who i am but i think it's not it's it's easier to see how the bad fits into the big picture right uh some of the some of the bad things that happened in this game one the blazers just don't have they just do not have right now a a lineup that can play defense at a high level. Uh, there's an idea that when Nurk gets back, that'll help. And I, I do think that's true. But right now, they just don't have that. Um, they they got lit up today. Sun's uh, Sun's shot just shy of 60% from the floor, 54% from three. Uh, they didn't take a ton of threes, only 24. Um, that's not many in the modern NBA. That's like... That's like not enough, honestly, for how well they shot it in, in a modern NBA game. But Devin Booker takes a lot of pull-ups. So does Chris Paul. Um, so that's just who they are. But the Blazers, it wasn't even a case of not being able to defend the three. They weren't able to defend the other actions, which led to open threes. They couldn't keep guys out of the paint. Uh, when they did double Booker, uh, send double teams, the sort of the backside wasn't that connected. Like they just don't have, they don't have a lineup that can play defense that well. That's that. It's just true. I think Nurk helps. I I really I really do. Um, I think he takes them from. I think he could give them you know some some stretches where they're even good on defense. I don't think they're going to be a good overall defense like in terms of their numbers, but I think with Nurk on the court they could have more stretches where they're like 
actually good defensively. They don't have that right now. Cantor, for all he does, and he's really an elite offensive player, can't defend. When they go small, uh, they just can't rebound enough to really take advantage of it, and they're and they're they're just. Uh, they're just a perimeter defender shy of having that small ball unit be, be really good. Like I, I like its look and I like the different um, iterations of it, but it's, it's, it struggles. And when it, and when it has to be Gary and Dame and Carmelo, that's, that's three defenders that struggle a little bit. And Covington and Jones Jr. Just aren't this sort of level of defender to lift those guys up to to where they need to be. You know, you could plug and play Nazir Little in there, but he's not like, he's a fun athletic runaround defender. He's not like a, he's not a guy who's like an elite stopper or even close to it, or even someone who probably raises the floor of a defense. Like this, this group just, they're just they just are who they are. There's not a good defensive team and and against an elite offense like this, it really shows up. Like they're good enough to be in there with with kind of mediocre teams. But the Suns, yet again, the Blazers just they don't have a lot of wins over teams with winning records this year. Uh, depending on how you feel about it, they've beaten three teams with winning records all season long. Philly twice, the Lakers and Golden State. They beat Dallas as well, who's playing a lot better, but they beat Dallas before Chris Epps was back and before da- and Dallas didn't have a winning record at the time. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, that might be splitting hairs for you, but it's true. They just don't they just don't have a lot of wins against good teams. Like it's just it facts are the facts and 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 the Suns kind of exposed that again. On the other side of the ball, the Suns sent double teams to Damian Lord and the Blazers just couldn't make him pay. Some of it I thought Dame Dame some of the problems with that the Blazers struggle with double teams is just that they are going to do what they're going to do. Both Damon and and Terry Stoss are really comfortable just saying our offense is pretty good. Let's just run the stuff we run, but it's also just Dame wants to dribble. Like he's, he he wants to, he, he, he wants to get a rhythm and read the defense and see stuff. And, and, um, when you don't have a secondary creator, when you don't have someone who you can throw the ball to and can get you into offense and break down a defense off the dribble, then it's hard to fault Dame for wanting the ball in his hands. Like hitting it ahead to Derek Jones or hitting it ahead to Gary Trent, like that, those aren't, those are guys who can like, you know, straight line drive to the rim, but they're not going to be able to run a, run a quick side pick and roll and get guys where they need to go and manipulate the defense and do all the things that a secondary creator would do. And they don't have that. Anthony Simon still isn't there. Rodney Hood is sort of that, but he's got a lot of shortcomings that make him maybe, maybe not as appealing in that role. May, let me just say it and make him not as appealing in that role because he's just not good right now. At, 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 he's not good at enough stuff to make up for being obviously the Blazers' second best creator. Um, and the traps from the Suns, and they were really selling out, particularly in the, the middle quarters of this game, they really took Dame out of it. Uh, the, the Phoenix's defense was connected and aggressive, and the Blazers not named Dame couldn't make this team pay. Cantor was pretty good. like the, Cantor did a good job of making them pay a little bit, but when they went small and when Cantor was off the court, they just they couldn't hang. Uh, Dameless minutes weren't a big deal in this one. Uh, Blazers were good in the first half, bad in the second half, but they ended up zero overall. Like Zero is kind of is right in the range where it becomes a toss-up, and the Blazers lost this game in the fourth quarter when Damian Lillard was on the court. Like This was wasn't a case of 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 a of a bad Dame game, but the lack of off like the the act the lack of individual offensive punch from non Dames really showed up in this game. And I think against elite teams, it's it's a continuing trend. Like this was a game, and there's a lot of them where it's just like you, they need CJ McCollum. 
they need help and they could use another score. And honestly, watching this game made me think a little bit that Neil Olshay is right and that another wing who could shoot, if you could actually just put another wing on there who could really shoot and say, sorry, Derek Jones, like you just don't have it tonight. We're going to put another shooter on the court and just we're, we're not a very good offensive team anyways. Who cares? Let's put another sort of like plus shooter plus offensive player on the court. Maybe that would be the solution. Like their, their level of defense is, is, you know, they're, they're a bad defensive team. And I, I'm not sure that there is a move out there that makes them even like, um, flirting with like an above average defensive team, quite frankly. So it's, this was a night where, 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 a an elite team exposed their flaws on both ends of the floor. And for me, it's, it, for me, they just got out talented. Like this was just the the Suns were were better, um, and you just saw the skill sets the Blazers need. They could use Nurk defensively. They could use Nurk as another pick and roll option. They could use Nurk to stay big to punish guys like Dario Saric. So then the Suns have to go with their big DeAndre Ayton. That allows the Blazers to take advantage of Ayton on defense, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it, they need that. Then they needed another creator. They need that CJ McCollum. They need to let have Dame, who's having this nice game, but is clearly just like feeling the burden of of facing double teams every time down the court be able to hit it ahead to, to cj be able to play off the ball be able to actually run a real action to get dame off the ball they can't do that right now like you can criticize the coaching all you want but you're missing the you're missing the actual skill sets of the players the blazers just don't have that option right now because they don't have players good enough of good enough or capable of doing that it's this was exposed against a good team. I don't think, like, I, I don't mean to say all of this is like, like, you know, the sky is is falling or anything like this. Like this just, they played a, they played a team that was better than them. Like if you think the Blazers are, are up towards the upper echelon of the West, you just saw the upper echelon of the West and the Blazers aren't as good as they are. Now, when the Blazers are healthy, we can, we'll revisit this, right? Like I'm, I'm excited to see the Blazers at full strength and what they look like, because I do think, uh, their complementary players in lesser roles will be more valuable, but you saw what it was tonight. They played a good team, and they were the they they couldn't hang. It's it's just the truth. Like when it was winning time, the Suns put the game away. Phoenix is really good, but if the Blazers fancy themselves really good, these are the games you got to be in, right? Like this needs to be a game that comes down to the wire because if it comes down to the wire, you got a pretty good dude in the clutch. But to get there. <laughs> To get there, you need to be, the offense needs a little help. The defense needs a little help. It's obvious. I mean, it's, it's all the things. This is, this is, I, like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, we're going to move off this game in a second. And I don't, I don't mean to harp on this as sort of like this, like proof that the Blazers are no good, but like, th- it is what it is. Like we, they need to beat some good teams. They need to play well against some good teams. Uh, and then we'll have sort of more data on whether this team is good. Cause right now what the Blazers are is a team that's capable of beating up on bad teams consistently and finding ways to win those games. And when they come against higher level competition, which is how the playoffs work, they don't look like they're capable of beating those teams consistently. So I think the second half of the season is about figuring out what the formula is to knock off those good teams. And I don't think the formula can be hang close, hope for Dame Magic. It's got to be a little bit more than that. What I want to talk about in the third segment is what's next. Blazers have Blazers have, have an important stretch ahead of them, I think. And I want to talk about, I want to, very quickly, just just look ahead at that stretch and what what lies ahead for your your beloved pinwheels. But before we get there, I want to talk about Built Bar. Y'all know Built Bar; it's the best tasting protein bar in the market. It's low calorie, low sugar. 
high protein, high fiber. But it's time to decide which Built Bar is the best. That's right, it's Built Bar Madness. That's right, the good folks at Built Bar, they got a bracket going. And it's time to determine who's the best bar. The matchups for today, we're in the sweetest 16. And we've got... We've got a, a fun, a couple fun matchups for you. The first is Churro Puff, which won in the first round over Apple Almond Crisp. Churro Puff is facing off against Cookies and Cream. In the second matchup, we've got Peanut Butter Brownie going up, who beat Raspberry in the first round, going up against Coconut Almond. Cookies and Cream and Coconut Almond both got buys into the first round. This is their first meeting of the brackets. And for my money, Cookies and Cream's getting the win. They're knocking off Churro Puff. Congratulations to Cookies and Cream. You're moving on to the enticing eight. And you're gonna meet, you're gonna meet peanut butter brownie. Y'all know I'm I'm a peanut butter chocolate guy. Those are my two winners. If if you want to vote in this poll, or if you want to try these bars, go to builtbar.com or visit at bar underscore built on Twitter so you can vote in the bracket. And if you want to get your hands on some of these bars to decide for yourself, you can do that by using the promo code locked on twenty to get twenty percent off your next order when you go to builtbar.com. That is locked on twenty to get twenty percent off your next order at builtbar.com. And make sure you check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you're still listening to Locked On Blazers. It is Selection Sunday this week, and we're going to determine the field of the NCAA tournament. And this year, the Locked On Podcast Network will be live on Selection Sunday. That's March 14th, reacting to who's in, who's out of the NCAA tournament. Big Ten Ben Stevens and Josh Neighbors will host the Selection Sunday live show with local experts from around the Locked On College Network of podcasts. So make sure you're following Locked On Live on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and watch the live selection show, which will happen March 14th. All right, so we talked about the good and the bad of the, of the Phoenix loss, um, the, sort of the big picture stuff that maybe the Blazers can take forward. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Nazir Little is going to really be an, an impactful NBA player and earn more minutes down the stretch. And, and on the other side, maybe the Blazers' defense is just going to be their ultimate doom. Like maybe being a, one of the three worst defenses in the league will, won't matter how good they are on offense. I think that's the big picture stuff from, from Thursday's game against the Suns. But I, I think the upcoming games are very important for the Blazers. As I mentioned in the previous segment, the Blazers don't have a lot of wins over good teams. They just, they just haven't beaten that many good teams. Uh, it's, it, it's just true. A couple wins over Philly, uh, an early season win over Houston. They've beaten Golden State a couple times. They beat Dallas before Dallas really got rolling. They... They've they beat up on bad teams and they've struggled against the good ones. It it doesn't really matter where your wins come from. Like it does matter because it suggests what sort of level of team you are. And if you can't beat any of the good teams, it'll eventually impact your playoff seating. And the Blazers' second half schedule is really is really rough. I talked about that on yesterday's podcast in the third segment. If you haven't listened, we talked about the Blazers' the sort of challenging second half schedule, uh, big picture wise. But here is the good news. The Blazers play some teams that aren't very good over their next four games. They they go to Minnesota. The, uh, Timberwolves won tonight. How about that? 
Chris Finch gets his first win. But they play Minnesota twice this weekend. A back-to-back Saturday and Sunday, uh, both games in mini. And then they come back Tuesday and Thursday in against two games against New Orleans. And let me tell y'all, these are the bad teams. Minnesota is 8-29. and They had lost eight in a row before they won tonight. You know who, the, you know who Minnesota beat? They beat the New Orleans Pelicans. Who have now lost three in a row and five of six. They're 15 and 22. This is a chance for the Blazers to fatten up. Now, this isn't some sort of like narrative changing stretch where they're going to, if they rip off four in a row or they go three and one, you're like, okay, okay, here we go. They're rolling. But you beat the teams in front of you. That's that's the plan. Like, I will still be, I, trust me, I I take notes on this stuff. I pay attention. I, I host a damn daily podcast, y'all. I'm, I'm paying attention to what happens each day. So until they beat a good team, I'm probably going to keep harping on the fact that they haven't really beaten many good teams. That will be a thing I keep saying. You'll probably know about it, the way you know about dameless minutes, the way you know about some Western Conference playoff tiers, and you know about Anthony Simons needing to attack the rim more. You listen to the show, or if it's your first time, welcome. Those are things I talk about. But they're not playing good teams this week. They got four winnable games in a row, and it, and, and and if... They are what they are, right? Like the Blazers are what they are. So you gotta take advantage of these. This is a this is a um I don't it's not like a make or break stretch or this is sort of like wildly crucial stretch. They got 36 more after tonight, after the loss to the Suns tonight. I I don't even think the Suns loss was that damning. I think this was just it was just proof that the, that they played against a better team. They got they beat a they found a they met a better team Thursday night at the Moda Center and they lost. But Minnesota and New Orleans are bad basketball teams. They're not good. So the Blazers got to stack up wins against bad teams. Like We don't need to do a big deep dive into, into Minnesota to know that they're bad. And I'm not even going to use this space to do a heavy preview here. We saw the Blazers play New Orleans earlier this year. Uh, that is a team capable of winning games, but they're bad. Like, they're also not good. They they If you get them in the half-court offense, they struggle. Uh, they their best players don't fit well together. They're they don't defend at a high level for extended periods of time. Like this is these are winnable games, and and I don't want to harp like too too much on on must win type of thing because I don't even believe it's must win. But the Blazers' formula thus far has been for them to beat bad teams and kind of figure it out against the pretty good ones. Well, they're playing some... These are bad teams. The Pelicans are one of the few teams in the NBA with a worse defense than the Trailblazers. And Minnesota is 25th in defense. Like, these are teams you can go get buckets against. And that's the Blazers' formula. Like, we'll, I will get back to harping about not beating good teams and uh, where they where they stack up against the elite. Because if if you think this team's a playoff team and a team is going to make noise in the playoffs, eventually you got to beat playoff teams and show you're capable of doing that. But while the Blazers aren't healthy, I don't think it makes a ton of, like, mostly CJ McCollum. Nurk is, he has enough of a history to, of, of health issues that that I'm not going to say he'll be back he'll do this and that but like CJ has mostly been very very healthy and when he's back and assuming he's back for good like then we'll start talking about it for real so what 
let's not, let's, I'm not going to freak out about the Suns game. I think it was telling, but I don't think it was damning is, is probably how the best way I could say it. And these next four, two against two in Minnesota and then two against the Pelicans at home, imminently winnable games. Hard to go 4-0 in these, um, when you play a team twice back to back, like I think Minnesota's bad enough that they could beat them back to back. Hard to beat, hard to beat a team like New Orleans, who's um, kind of just has a lot of losses, but a similar, a sort of a similar profile as the Blazers as a top ten offense and a bottom five defense. Uh, it's you know hard, to, hard maybe hard to beat them twice in a row. But you go three and one in this stretch, you put yourself in the right position, you get healthy, you get you get on track. Like just just keep checking the boxes, keep beating the teams in front of you, the bad teams in front of you, and 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 when you get healthy, then we can get a like a fuller evaluation of where things are at. Two weeks before the trade deadline, uh, things are things are going to move around the league. But I think the Blazers kind of have what they have. So get your crew back. Keep beating bad teams. When the crew's all back together, see how you stack up against the rest. And then right here in this space, we'll figure out, we'll freak out if we need to freak out. Sound like a good plan to y'all? That's my plan. Here's my other plan. Please tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.